0: 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is where we're going to start today. Let's jump, dive right in today to the, to, the, to the word of God. It says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Everybody say these three words. Do this in remembrance of me. All right, and he goes on and he says, in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this is cup, this cup is new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in Remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Father, we love you. God, we pray today that as we dive into your word, God, that you would help us to always remember you. I pray that you would give our hearts uh, a receptiveness to receive, minds to perceive, God, and and a desire to want to obey everything that you've called us to do. God, today we love you. We thank you for all that you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 This is a passage of scripture that is probably very common. Uh, for most of us, uh, where Jesus is telling us, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember this, remember this, remember this. How many of you, just in here, by honesty scale, have a problem with forgetting things? Who in here can forget things? Yeah. How many names? Names are a hard thing to remember. How many of you remember faces more than you do names? Yeah, you look at somebody at Walmart, you're like, I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you. Mm, do they come to church? I don't know. It works is when you're the pastor. <laughs> and, uh, they're like, hey, hey. Um, so I don't want to give away my secrets, though. And so, <laughs> but we can forget things. How many of you forgot a birthday? Any birthday forgetters, anniversaries? Oh, okay, never mind, don't do that. I don't want to stir up any more <laughs> marital issues. Um, how about this one? Forgot where you parked your car. <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, we were in the hospital with Joel, and uh, we were at Ochsner's in New Orleans, and if you've ever been there, there's like a five-story parking garage to get into the thing. And so Lindsay and I, you know, we would swap out who was going to go get lunch and who would get dinner and who's staying at the hospital and who's staying at the hotel, and we'd swap out and do all this stuff. And so we would always say when, after we parked the car, hey, I parked on level three, just so the other person would know. Well, she had parked, and I got all my stuff, and it was time for me to go, and I went on to level three, and I'm, and you don't know where it is. We kind of tried to help each other out. You know, it's to the right or straight, and so she told me it's straight, it's to the right a little bit, and so I'm doing the little, the little alarm thing. Y'all know what I mean? And I hear it, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting close, and I don't see it. I hear it, but I don't see it. I'm walking everywhere. I walked the whole 250 parking spots. I hear this thing. I call Lindsay. Where is this? She said, "I parked on level four. On level four, it was above me, whole time." Anyways, I made it. Have you know? Oftentimes, we forget what we want to remember, and we remember what we're supposed to forget. Is this not a true statement that we often remember the things that we should forget and we forget the things that we should remember? How many of you are like a walking karaoke? If a song comes on, you know the tunes. You could have not heard that song for 30 years, and it comes on and you know it immediately, you know? Y'all know how that works. And, and, and my wife's the same way. She's a walking jukebox. As soon as it comes on. But somebody asks you what a scripture is, and you're like, mm, I don't know. I have no clue. Right? There's, there's things that we... Should remember that we forget, and then there's things that we should forget, and we remember. How many know God is constantly all throughout Scripture trying us to forget our past and remember what He's done in the present, what He's done in the future. But how many know we're always remembering what we've done in the past, and we forget what He's done in the future. And so we see this all throughout scripture that God is constantly telling us to remember this. All throughout the Old Testament, we've been reading in our one-year plan going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Now we got out of Leviticus, praise the Lord. Now we're in Numbers and Deuteronomy. And all throughout, God is telling Moses, tell them, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember this, remember this, remember this. And the same is happening now in the New Testament. Paul is telling the church of Corinth don't forget what Jesus did at the Passover, at the at the at the Lord's Supper, at the at the communion. It's it's what we are now, as we are arriving going towards Easter in the next couple of days. It's, it's one of the last, the last supper, the last final meal that he has with his disciples, and Jesus is wanting to teach them a lesson. Now, John chapter 13, let's go there, and I'm going to show you this verse. that says, Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth before leaving this world to return to his father's side. Now, I want you to see how he's going to take this moment and make this an illustration to his guys. He says, all throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had, everybody say that word, he had, demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus was demonstrating his love to his disciples and to people. But watch this. This is going another level. And now he longed to show them, watch this, the full measure of his love. That Jesus was going, you've seen my love, but I am about to display to you the full measure of my love for you. And he is about to, Do an act that he wants to ingrain into their minds. How many of you are glad to know that we have a Savior that didn't just say he loved you, he demonstrated he loved you. He didn't just speak from heaven and say, I love you, but how many know he came down and he got dirty with us and he demonstrated to us how much, how do we know how God loves? He loves us that even yet while we were still sinners, he dies for us. He demonstrates, he pours out his love for you and I. And so we're catching up to this story that men are plotting to kill Jesus. The disciples are clueless to what's going on, but there are men behind the scenes, religious leaders behind the scenes, that have been working tirelessly to figure out how to capture Jesus, to ultimately kill him. the disciples know nothing of what's going on and Jesus tells the guys hey we're going to go have get a room we're going we're going to have a last meal together we're going to celebrate passover together the guys have no clue of what's happening here but what we're going to see here in just a minute is that these guys, normally the, tr- the, the tradition was if you were going to go to a nice dinner, you would go into one of these Roman baths, you'd get all nice and clean, and then you would go and have dinner with all of your people. Kind of like you know what we do after a day's work. Let me go home and shower, and then we'll go out to dinner. It's kind of that same scenario. The problem is what most people don't realize is that these guys still have to walk to wherever they're going or ride an animal to wherever they're going. And how I many you know, they didn't have New Testament crocs. It wasn't <laughs> any of those there. Uh, they, they had sandals, and they had... I mean, their feet were just nasty. Can we just go ahead and just put this out there? Feet are nasty. You all agree? If you got a foot fetish, you weird. Okay, that's just you got some issues. I don't know. There's something going on there. We'll get you through freedom. Um, And so, and and then I've always wondered at what point does it start off where feet go from being cute to being nasty? Have you ever noticed like when you have a baby, you're like, oh, look at that. You're like kissing the the little toes. This little piggy went to the market, and this little piggy stayed home. And you're doing that. You don't do that to your grandfather? You don't? Do you? If you do, come up for prayer at the end of the service. We'll we'll talk about some of this. I mean, it's and I don't know at what point they go from being little piggies to being like like you're wondering. Have you ever looked at people's feet one time if they were, they were bold enough to wear some sandals and you're like, man, those feet got some mileage on them. <laughs> Y'all been there? Come on. Can we just be honest here for a minute? Y'all seen some people? And then you're like looking at and you're trying to count toes. One, two, three. You think they like grew extra toes or something? You're like, I thought there was 10. I don't know. I'm like counting tw- I'm counting 12 here. I don't know what's, what's going on. And they're, like, stacked on top of each other. Anyways, okay. know what I'm talking about. And then you go to those places to get a pedicure, you know, and it's all, like, Chinese people. You know they're talking about you. You know, they're just going off. Right? I mean, and they got masks, you know, as they're doing all this stuff. I would, too. I'd have a hazmat suit. <laughs> with a drill. <laughs> in this culture. Think about this. Okay. So we say that about feet and we all have shoes and socks. Can you imagine that culture without shoes and socks? Without New Testament Crocs. With with just bare feet everywhere. So yes, their body was clean, but their feet were nasty and in that culture it was when it was a dinner party that the host of the dinner would have a servant it would be the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of servants. And their whole responsibility was when you walked into the room that that servant was to wash your feet to repair you because what you may not understand is they weren't sitting at a table with chairs like you and I would be. They would be relaxing. The table would be very low. They'd be laying down at a seat. So guess where those feet are going? (laughs) By my face. (laughs) You're about to eat a pig in a blanket, okay? So (laughs) that was too far. I'm sorry. So you got to think. So, so here we are in, in this story, as we catch up to this story, the, the there story, a, there's a water basin. There's a basin that is always going to be, when they walk into the door, and there's always going to be some form of a towel there. And I want you to think about this just for a minute, though. Every single one of those 12 disciples, and you'll see it in just a minute, walk by the water basin to go find their seat at the table. Every single one of them walked by the basin to find their seat at the table because they were more preoccupied at where their seat was than serving people. And this is the same tendency that can happen to all of us all the time. Have you ever, like, yelled at your kids, like, hey, someone come do the ditches! And they yell back, that's not my responsibility! Or, or, it's not my turn! And they, they point to whoever somebody else's is. The same tendency can happen with us oftentimes in our lives is that we are so consumed with getting our seat at the table that we miss the opportunity to serve those around us. The disciples, really honestly, were saying this that's below me. That's for those servant people. They do that. Let me give you three things that we say when we think something is below us. Let me give you the first one. First one, it's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. You ever heard that at work? Your boss says, hey, I need someone to do this. And you hear somebody go, well, that's not my job. That's not my job. I don't get paid to do that. What they're saying is, that's below me. I don't do that. Number two is, someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. I mean, don't we have some other, other people around here? They could, they could take care of this. I don't need to do this, someone else can, someone else can do this. And then the third one is, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy, it's just, we just got a lot, of, a lot going on right now and everything is happening and, and so we pass by the water basin and what Jesus is trying to do, now think about this, Jesus is trying to give the disciples an imagery of something they will never forget. The day before his crucifixion, before he's about to be betrayed, before everything's about to take place, he's sitting down at night with these guys and he wants to give them a picture of something that they will never forget. Jesus is about to experience the most gruesome, horrific death a man could ever go through. Ever go through. He's saying things like, can you imagine the emotions on his, on his lips as he's saying, this, is my bo- that this bread is my body, broken for you. This cup represents my blood, poured out for you. What do you, how do you think the disciples are, are responding? What do you think they're thinking through? as Jesus, all this emotion is, is, is pouring out what is about to transpire. You wanna see what the disciples are thinking? Luke tells us, Luke chapter 22. Then they begin to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among you. Jesus, in this moment, is going This is what's going to happen to me. This is what I'm doing for you. This is what, and they're going, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Can you think about what kind of slap in the face that is to the Savior who is about to give his life for them, and they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest? And the next verse, watch, it goes on and he says this, because Jesus always has something to say about it. And Jesus tells them, in this world the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But, but among you, it's going to be what? It's going to be different. Look, everybody in the job, everybody at your business, everybody at your office says, no, that's not me. But it's going to be different with you. It's going to be different. Everybody at school says, no, I don't do that. Doesn't the janitor clean all that up? And he says, no, no, it's going to be different with you. It's going to be different with you because here's those. Those who are the greatest among you should take the, the lowest rank. All right, and then he goes on and he says, and the leader should be like a? Like a servant. You want to lead? Serve. You want to be the greatest leader? Be the greatest servant. He's flipping it. Y'all see the flip here? He's flipping everything. He's flipping everything upside down. Who's more important? Now he's going to pose a question. Who's more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, in our day and age, people who are sitting at the table in prominent positions, the ones who have the roles, the ones who have the title, they're the most important, aren't they? They're the ones they have the they have the nice office. They're the ones that got the they got the company vehicle. They're the ones that got the 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 whatever it is, the, the higher salary. They're the important people. The ones that are sitting in those positions. He says, Who's the most important? Those who are sitting or those who are serving? And then watch, he flips it. The one who sits at the table, of course, right? Oh, no, no, not here. Not here. For I am among you as one who, as one who serves, as one who serves. You ever um, been to a, uh, a restaurant you had a bad waiter or a bad waitress? Y'all ever been there? We went out to eat yesterday um, with, my, with my family and we had a great waitress. She was amazing. She was really good. And I started thinking about this idea of what really makes a great server versus a bad server. I I want to give you a couple of these because I think this is so poignant to what we're talking about here. Great servants, great waitresses, great waiters. If you're in the food industry, you'll you'll know a little bit about this. Number one, what makes them great is they go out of their way. Great servers go out of their way. They busy. They got a lot of people that are going on. Y'all ever been in a restaurant where like it's not busy at all, nobody's in there, but you can't get service? And you're like, ain't nobody here. It's like me, it's like senior citizen hour, no senior citizens are here, nobody's here. I'm here by myself and I still can't get anybody. You ever been to those places where it's like packed out but they're still taking care of you? Because they're going out of their way. Constantly that. Number two is they are attentive to your needs. Great waiters, great servers are attentive to what your needs are. They're always watching. If you see a great waitress, they might not be anywhere near you but they're watching you. They're watching what you need. They're attentive to what you need. They can look at things, they'll ask things, can I help you, do you need anything? The lady who served us yesterday probably asked us, could she help us 20 times in the course of an hour? Can I help you, can I help you, can I help you? At some point you're like, no, I'll tell you when I need help. <laughs> you all ever been there? <laughs> I got it, but I would rather that. But the cool thing is not only is they, are they attentive to their needs, here's the third thing, they actually deliver what you need. So it's not only that they see that your drink is low. So this is how it happened yesterday. So I would get, you know, drinking Dr. Pepper, God's God's stuff. And so I'm drinking it. I'm getting, you know, with me. So I get literally probably to a quarter to the end, and she already comes with a new one, takes my other one away. I'm like, I'm going to pee all night tonight. (laughs) That's what I'm originally thinking. And then I'm like, thank you, bless you. I'll be back. Good tip. All right, so she, I mean, I didn't even have to ask. I didn't even ask. She saw it, she delivered. She saw it, as soon as we were done, took the plate, took the stuff. She was always not only attentive to the needs, she was also delivering the needs. And here's one of the biggest things about a great server is number four, they clean up your mess. They clean up your mess. Because how many know, you don't sit back and do dishes unless you can't pay. (laughs) But you ain't doing dishes. That's the one thing I love about going out to eat. Come on somebody. After the egg drop, Lindsay's like, What do you want to do for dinner? I'm like, out to eat. <laughs> Thinking in back on my mind, I don't want to do dishes. Because they're gonna clean up my mess for me. We can we could spill everything everywhere and they're gonna take care of it. That's what they do. So what they get paid to do, right? Hey, think about this. Ready? Jesus did all this. Jesus did all this. Jesus went out of his way, got down from heaven, came to earth to be with you and I. He was attentive to your needs, knowing that you weren't someone who just needed a friend. You needed a savior. And he stepped into the place, and he not only saw that you needed a savior, he became the substitute. He delivered on what you and I needed. And the best part is he cleans up all of our mess. He cleans it all up. He cleans it all up. This is what Jesus does for us. And they're sitting at a table. Now think about this. They're reclining here at this area. They're, there's not a chair, but they're just reclining. Everybody's walked past. Every disciple's walked past the water basin. Everybody's sitting with their stanky feet all up in this place. And watch what the verse says. John chapter 13 says it this way. So he got up from the table. That's huge. That's huge. Jesus pushes away from the table and gets up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped himself with a towel around his waist. And he begins to pour water into a basin. And then he begins from there to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. This is our Savior. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is what he did for you and I. He took off the robe and he put on a towel the very disciples who were so consumed with getting their spot at the table the very disciples who were so consumed with what they were eating at the table walked past the water basin and if you're not careful we can fall into the same self-absorbed culture where we come into a place where it's all about serving others and we make it all about serving us where's my seat where's my stuff where's my this And Jesus gets up from the table. Think about this. Our Savior, King of kings, Lord of lords, spoke everything into existence. The one who healed the the lame, the one who calls people rise from the dead, the one who walked on water, the one who could easily have said, everybody serve me. He said, no, 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 I'm putting the towel on and I'm gonna do what none of y'all think that you're good enough to do. Which, by the way, if you're too great to do the little things, you're too little to do the great things. Can I say that again in this place? If you are too great to do the little things, you are too little to do the great things. If you're wondering why you're not getting the job and the promotion, it might be because someone's doing the little things better than you. That's right. If you'll take care of those little things, the little things, the things that you think I'm better than that, you're not. Because we have a Savior who says, I'm not better than anything. I can do it all. And look what the next verse, going down to verse 12, it says, after he washes the feet of all 12 of his disciples, he puts on his robe and he sits down again. And watch, he asks now a question. He says this, do you understand what I was doing? Do you understand what I was doing? If you're not careful, you can see the illustration but miss the message. Listen to me closely. You can see what Jesus did but miss why he did it. This is what he says, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And he goes on, he says, here's the best part. I have given you an, what's that word? I've given you an example. I love that Jesus, the Christ, the Savior of the world, who could have been the exception, decided to be the example. Leadership is not when you get the chance to be the exception. It's when you get the chance to be the example. And he says, I've set an example for you to follow. So do as I have done to you. Do as I have done to you. Jesus was telling them, not to, okay, and most, most people are like, okay, now we just need to start a foot washing ministry. You know, foot washing for Jesus. How am glad we don't have that ministry. All right, so we don't need that nowadays. He wasn't telling them what to do. He was telling them why to do it. See, this is what he was doing. You want to argue about who wants to be great? Great. You want to be Great. Great. Jesus had no problem with people wanting to be great. He did not knock them for being great. He just showed them what greatness really looks like. Y'all want to be great? Great. Who wants to have a great marriage? Anybody? Great. Who wants to have a great job, do well in your job? Great. Great kids, great life. I want to have it. Jesus says, I want you to have it too. I just need you to understand the way that you get it is not how the world gets it. Greatness is not about how many Instagram followers you have and how, if you've got a YouTube channel and people think you're popular and if you've got a title and if you make a lot of money. Greatness in the kingdom of God has nothing to do with any of those. It happens to do with being the servant of all. The servant of all. You want to be great? Great. And serve like I serve. Love that like I love. Jesus was the greatest undercover boss ever. Think about that. Y'all ever watch Undercover Boss? You know, where the boss comes in and he's like, no, he fakes fakes what he looks like and, you know, he's doing things. Jesus was the best one ever. Jesus steps into humanity, takes on all the trials and all the things that we walk through, and yet he shows, he models how he wants it to be done. So you want to be great? Let me give you two thoughts here. Number one, greatness in God's kingdom is not about the title, it's about the towel. Greatness in God's kingdom is not about the title, it's about the towel. You got to take the towel. You got to take the towel. Now listen, the disciples have bought into this thought, if I sit at the table, I'm going to be filled, not realizing that Jesus was showing them, if you really want to be fulfilled in life, push away from the table, get up from the table and go serve other people, you'll really find real fulfillment, not at the table, but serving people. This is what God has called us to do, not only as a church. I wonder how many times we have walked past the water basin. We had opportunities to serve, serve our spouse, serve, serve our, our community. This is what Jesus did in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve Who? Others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I want you to listen to me closely. Love without action is sympathy. We don't. Our our community does not need sympathy. They need action. So Jesus says, "You want to be great? It's not about the title. It's about the towel." So you know what Jesus does? He gives every single person in this room a towel. Now, your towel may look different than my towel, but your towel represents your resources, it represents your giftings, it represents your your personality it represents your treasure it represents your time it represents everything that god has given you he's given you a towel and so many people are trying to get to heaven with their towel being pristine and clean how I mean, you know the one thing god is looking for is when you get to heaven this thing will be filthy and ragged because you used everything that you possibly could to serve other people this is what god has called us to do he's not looking for a clean towel He's looking for one filled with mud from the people that nobody else wanted to serve. This is what God is calling us as a church, to wash the feet, wash the feet of our city, wash the feet of our of people in our, our community, wash the feet of our family, wash the feet of our schools, wash the feet of, our, our, of, of, of those closest to us. He's calling us to wash the feet. And you know what I love? Yesterday, we washed some feet. We washed some feet. Some of you, many of you, over 250 of you this whole week have pushed back from the table, got up from the table and said, I'm going to try to cram this candy in this tiny egg. (laughs) Why am I doing this? You're just getting tape, just taping everything. (laughs) And people here Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night till midnight cramming 60,000 eggs with tiny pieces of candy that's not even good candy. (laughs) Come on, isn't that the truth? I don't want a Werther's. Where's the chocolate? But it melts, so you can't put it in there. And people stayed up late and worked hard. I look around this room and I see people who went over and above. Christy Petrie, who's on staff, was our egg director this week. She blew it out of the water this year, <laughs> blew it out of the water. Tony Sonier stepped up, led the entire event with setup and breakdown. Jacques stayed 24 hours overnight to just watch over all of our stuff. I look at some of you that came in here and stayed up late and did so many different things all over um, to, to help us make this happen, from early mornings to late nights. It's just crazy the amount of people. I walked away from the egg drop so humbled, so humbled that you are a church that is committed to pushing away from the table. That's going, it's not about a title. It's not about, am I the leader? It's not about what, it's about what can I do? And so many of you have that heart, and it bleeds. And can I tell you, people are noticing. People see it. People watch it. It takes note. If you will be a person that's all about the towel and not about the title, here's the cool thing. If you will go after the towel, God will give you the title. Because how I many know oh, the man who took the towel was also the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is sitting at the right hand of the throne. But he was willing to take up the towel for God for all that he wanted. And I'm I'm challenging you, some of you need, it's time to stop coming to church and just finding your seat. You need to serve, not sit, serve. You're like, oh I just need to sit and just let me be fed. You'll get more fulfilled when you serve. I promise you, I promise you, to find more connections, the more, God will do more in you. Because now, what, here's what happens. You give more of yourself away, so God has more now to fill. When you're full of you, he can't fill you with anything else. So God is calling us. Greatness is not about the title, it's about the towel. And let me give you the last one. Greatness is God's kingdom is shown, not by how you love God, but by how you love people. Now I want you to listen to me because this is my favorite part. This is the test, by the way. You want to know how much you love God? How do you love people? Some of you are like, can I get a different test? (laughs) I don't like this test. I'm sorry. This is the test. You want to know how you love God? How do you love people? How do you love people? Think about this for a minute. Y'all ready? I love this. This This is my favorite part of this whole story. Jesus, the son of man. In the next 24 hours, he's about to go on the most gruesome journey of his life. His beard's gonna get plucked. He's gonna get beat on his back. Bible said he's gonna be so beat that you can't even recognize that he's a man. And that night, before all of that happens, he washes the feet of 10 men who will abandon him. One man who's going to deny him and one man who's going to betray him. All 12 of them are about to let him down. And he says, I want to show you the full measure of my love. You ready? When you're going to abandon me, I'm still going to serve you. The way you know how much you love God is how do you treat people who mistreat you? Think about this. He knew what these 12 were about to do. If I was God, and I know you were about to do that to me, I would have actually taken that water basin and drowned you in it. I'd be like, Judas, come here. Let me wash your feet. Let me wash your hair. They ain't going to be betraying me. Yet First John tells us, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us... Say that word. Where is it? Y'all got the scripture? It's the next slide. There we go. Let us not just say... Nope. Y'all are awesome. I love y'all. Let us not just say that we love each other. Let us show... Watch this. The truth... By our, our actions. Y'all ever, um, I gotta be done, but y'all ever remember as a kid trace paper? Y'all remember trace paper? It made you look like you were the most incredible artist because you would take a pattern. For those that don't know trace paper, just ask the person next to you. They'll probably tell you. It's like a little translucent paper. It's not as thick as, as paper, but you kind of see through it and you would put it over a pattern and then you would just like trace, trace the whole thing. And then after it was all said and done, you'd put it up and you'd be like, "Whoa, blam you just walk around showing everybody, look at me! What they don't know is that it was trace paper. Listen to me closely. Jesus laid down his life as the ultimate pattern. Are y'all with me? Jesus showed us this is how you love. This is how you live, this is how you accept people, this is how you walk through hard times, this is how you forgive people. And he says this, put your life over my life and just trace what I did. Trace how I loved people, trace how I served people, trace how I forgave people, trace how I accepted people and how me know, when you pick it up, you look like Jesus. You look like Jesus. This is what God is calling us as a church to do. Remember my life. Remember my example. Remember my body. Remember how I served you. You wanna know how to love disciples? You wanna know? Go out of your way. Be attentive to people's needs. Fill their needs. Ready? Clean up their mess. Clean up people's mess. The beauty is that when we get into the thick of it with people, God we know ultimately is the mess cleaner, but how many know he still uses people to get into the mess? He's calling us to get in the mess. You ever been to a restaurant where you had to wait? Like I'm not talking about like five minutes, like 45 minutes, an hour. What are you waiting for? You know what you're waiting for? Someone to get up from the table. You're waiting for someone to get up from the table. OSC, can you hear me? Listen to me closely. We are going to be a church That gets up from the table and says, you can have my seat. Some of y'all had to do that today. Some of y'all were like, ah, this is my seat. I didn't know it was going to be this packed. Will you be willing to give up your seat, your service, your time for those who are waiting outside this church going, I want what's in there? How many know we've been filled We've been redeemed. We've been loved. We've been forgiven. And God says, okay, now get up from the table and go do for somebody else what I did for you. Father, today in this moment, God, we repent of walking past the water basins. God, today we recognize that we have bought into the maybe self-absorbed culture of my seat and my title and my position and my this and my that and god today we want it to be all about you your word says god jesus said father not my will be done but yours your will god we want to be a people that say god not not my family yours these are my children they're yours this is not my money it's yours this is not my job it's yours god today we hand all of this back over to you and ask us God, Lord we're asking you help us to live a life that our towel is dirty God that we've given everything that we can to serve those that are around us God we we pray God as we approach Easter this weekend fill this house with people God who need you may we be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece this week see people come home Meet Jesus. Thank you for being the ultimate example to us. Give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom to do what you've called us to do. With all heads bowed, I want to ask you the most important question I can ever ask you, and that is: Are you born again? I'm not asking you to go to a church. I'm not asking you have you taken communion. I'm not asking if you've been baptized or confirmed. I'm asking, are you born again? It's the one question that was asked of Jesus. Because the truth is, you and I have a natural birth date, but there is a spiritual birth that God wants to do in your life right now. Because you can't go do any of this apart from Jesus. So today, I wanna invite you to a relationship with God. You say, I I want that. Well, it's as easy as A, B, C. We admit that we're sinners. That apart from Christ, our life is nothing. We be, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. He came and he lived the perfect life and he died a death to bring us back into relationship with him. And he says, if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you will today confess him as Jesus is Lord, and savior of your life, he will come in and he will make you born again. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make those who were dead alive. If you're here in this place and you say, I wanna be alive in Christ, if that's you, on the count of three, with all boldness in you, I want you to shoot your hands up. One, two, three. If that's you, going up all across this room. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Anybody else? Right here, Pastor Josh, count me in. Okay, thank you, 18. You can put your hands down. Thank you, 19. Why don't you just pray this with me? Say, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You came and lived a life that I couldn't live. But you loved me enough that you demonstrated your love for me. By taking my sins, my shame, and my guilt on the cross, You died for me, and you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, I surrender my life to you. From this moment forward, have all of me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.